welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. Podcast. Podcast is what brings us together today. Podcast, that blessed arrangement where a filmmaker and a comedian adventure through the 80s movies we love and love to hate. This is episode 29, possibly episode 30, we'll see, (laughs) The Princess Bride, a movie selection from 1987. Grandfather's here. Can't you tell me I'm sick? He'll pinch my cheek. I hate that. Maybe he won't. Hey, how was the sick? Huh? I brought you a special present. What is it? It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today, I'm going to read it to you. It was a time when life didn't seem so complicated. Marriage is what brings us together today. What? 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 I'm killing myself once we reach the honeymoon suite. Wouldn't that be nice? A courtly age. Of gentle conversation. I will always come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. Oh, no. Is this a kissing book? No. Actually, there was a lot of treachery. Errol. And revenge. Prepare to die. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line! <laughs> there were affairs of state. But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. And affairs of the heart. My Wesley will always come for me. Your Wesley is dead. I've seen worse. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. It's more than turning. What's the difference? We've got him. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. It's a story of love. A tale of adventure. As real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again. Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. That saxophone was a poor choice. Why is there a saxophone music? <laughs> that trailer, it, it, we, we talked about like there's some movies that just don't get the movie yet. You know, it's like, the, yeah. like in terms of like, you know, uh, and it's obviously it's 2020 hindsight. Like it's now this big thing, you know, the princess bride, but it wasn't, it didn't, didn't do well. Thanks to that goddamn trailer. Exactly. They didn't, nobody knew what it was. Is it a romantic comedy? Is it an action movie? Is it a fantasy movie? Is it, what is it? Mm-hmm. Why is there Fred? Sa- what is Fred Savage doing here? With Columbo. Playing the saxophone. <laughs> so this is part of our one-year anniversary. Yes. We, we picked, um, uh, we decided to do an anniversary special. And so we, we each picked our favorite movie of the 80s as kind of celebrating our survival to one year. That's right. And so this one is yours. This is mine. I'm Chrissy Lenz, comedian, and with me as always is... Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker, raconteur. <laughs> and yeah, this is very exciting. Could I could like just sit down, I could pull a Peter Falk and just tell you this movie if you were sick. 
in my day, television was called me telling you this movie. Uh, I, I know the whole thing. This became, it's like, because I wasn't aware that it bombed or anything like that. You're not mm-hmm. aware of those things as a kid. I just knew that it was the teacher's go-to to put on as, like, summer, you know, summer vacation or some other thing. Whenever they, like, well, we don't need to have class. Let's show a movie. And so, like, in the cafeteria, like, I'm, like, no joke. I, I think I saw it two or three times just at school before we ever rented it or saw it on TV. That and, you were so lucky. <laughs> and so it became it became like a staple of these movies that you'd see at school. Like like literally, like the whole cafeteria would be filled with kids. And it's like, we got a half day. We're going to put on a movie. So it was this or like never ending story. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually two out of three times it was this. Yeah. Like, did they ever give you a choice? Like, who, raise your hand if you want never no, ending story. No, I don't story. think so. Nice. No. Uh, so we're, here's what we're going to do. You're going to walk us through the movie. Right. And I'm going to sidetrack us as often as possible. <laughs> You're going to slather us with enthusiasm <laughs> yes. as we go. So so this is a, our second Rob Reiner movie. It is. The first one being This is Spinal Tap. It, uh, at first blush, it's hard to see the connection in terms of like style and things like that. But Roger Ebert put it well to where he said like the connective tissue between. And when he when he saw Princess Bride, he loved it. Um, he, he said the connective tissue was both of them were absolutely embracing whatever format they were choosing. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't mm-hmm. kind of like, this is the Rob Reiner style. It's like, this is so a documentary mockumentary and, and this is so like a fairy tale. Yeah, definitely. But I think the Rob Reiner touch though, is that the, the sincerity and the variation of tone, which is like I think part of what draws me to this movie is that like it's not all even though they're totally playing it 100% serious straight earnest sincere the whole way through there's those little moments where the tone just shifts to being like here are these characters here are these people and they're just having a casual moment together you know the comedy is is also very meta in a lot of ways you know it's very um uh, there's a slight wink to the audience as the characters are kind of like, you know, speaking out of time of what would be in a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. So th- this movie is um, from writer William Goldman. Oh. This was so, R.I.P. Um, I know. It's so, so good. Famous screenwriter William Goldman. This was his, So this was his beloved child. This was the one thing that mattered of all the stuff he made this was the one this this was his baby Mm -hmm. and so i think he wrote it in 71 the the book yeah the book and the book is so brilliant and so different from the movie i i haven't read it oh it's so 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 good is there no fred savage uh well, no, it? but it is a very, uh, you step outside of the book. So S. Morgenstern, who writes the book, mm-hmm. is retelling the book, kind of. And, and he's like, this is the story of the Princess Bride. And some people will tell you this, and some people will tell you this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you this. And it has this really great, like, repeating, uh, which only comes up a little bit in the movie at the very end, where they say, uh, you know, in the history of the kiss, mm-hmm. there have been this many Five kisses. rated as the most passionate. Mm-hmm. And- so that's all throughout the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they, you get just so much more detail about things, which mm-hmm. I will save as we go on. It's, it's totally worth a read. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so we start off with Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. He's sick for the day. Um, and then his grandpa shows up. Um, I remember as a kid, like, 
focusing on like what are his toys like the video mm-hmm. like the baseball video game he's playing it's like i know that game yeah and, and it's like i know that i know that he-man toy in the background mm-hmm. it's like those connections of that the kids latch on to and i still remember it's like oh my god there's battle cat and there's also like the hat that Rob Renner wears in Spinal Tap is mm-hmm. uh, sitting on the bed post. <laughs> oh, in, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's, uh-huh. it's noticeable. It's in there. So, so basically, um, Fred Savage is begrudgingly going along with this because he's forced. He's not into it. He especially because the story starts off almost kind of like a Harlequin novel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Come, stable boy, clean up my... <laughs> the beautiful farm boy and the, the most and the most beautiful buttercup. And yeah, and my day television was called books. Like he's <laughs> Yeah, so Peter Falk is, so re- Falk is reading, Columbo is reading uh, Fred Savage, this book. Um, and it, it, it starts off with Buttercup just treating Wesley like a piece of shit. Yep. <laughs> See, it's like it's like the gender reversal where the guy is treating the woman like crap, and he falls in love. Uh-huh. <laughs> she falls in love with him. <laughs> He's the Cinderella of this story, exactly. And they are both so goddamn beautiful. <laughs> with them. they're just so beautiful. Uh-huh. I love them both. And yes, the, the yeah, the beginning is very rom- romance. Yeah. So the and, and and then it's supposed to, there's not a lot of humor. It's just all kind of like. Mm-hmm hot steamy mm-hmm. you know haylofts and Fun like boy fetch me that picture <laughs> right and so um and so it hasn't quite revealed like it's humor yet mm-hmm. and so <laughs> and doesn't he say like isn't it at the at the very beginning where he says like what she realized that when he said as you wish what he meant was i love you isn't that great and the kid's <laughs> like oh my god yeah. i don't believe gonna, this yeah <laughs> so i, I, I there's one point in the story where everything could have, like, where it's, there's sometimes that, that leap of faith where if it didn't happen, the whole thing wouldn't have, the whole plot wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. So Wesley, the reason Wesley leaves her is because he had no money for marriage. Right. And if he never left, you need money they would have been, they would have been pretty happy. Yeah. Like if they had just had, oh, you know what? Let's have a backyard wedding. Well, they talk about in the book, like, if you are interested, this the book is different enough from the movie that you get totally d- different things out of both of them, which in this case I think is good. Sometimes I really complain about it. Um, but in the book, they describe her situation more with, like, her parents and, like, why he needs to have money so that they can sort of run away together mm. uh, because, the, because her parents want to give her to Humperdinck. Gotcha. Right. And so it's very much just kind of like, we touch on it, and then we're moving straight away. Mm-hmm. He's going to leave her um, and, to seek his fortune. But not before he lets her know Yeah, I, that he will always come for her. So uh, I, I almost feel like he secretly want, needed to get his pirate on before he settles down. <laughs> no! <laughs> like he needed to. <laughs> I just got a few wild oats to sow, babe. I'll be back. I promise. So that was one of like the first meta fairy tale moments is like, because this is true love. Do you think something like this happens every day? You know, it's again, kind of winking and it's a very contemporary kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, line. Then we cut five years later and he's obviously disappeared, believed to be dead, Mm -hmm. killed by the dread pirate Roberts. Yes. Um, 
And Buttercup then, just simply says she will never love again. Nope. It's true. Just uh, like in Twilight. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> so uh, th- so she is now being um, betrothed to Humperdinck, mm-hmm. the prince of the land. Yeah. And he basically, like, I think the line in, in the the movie The Princess Bride is like though the law of the land gave him the right to choose his bride like he just mm-hmm. went you I'll have you uh, they do describe that a bit more and mm-hmm. like he like literally is like pick, yeah no I pick you because she's like the third most beautiful woman in the entire world or something like that right uh, definitely in the top five yeah <laughs> yes um, and like I love that part so much where they're cutting to the future and she's walking out my people and they gets she gets to meet everybody in her princess outfit oh mm-hmm. so good the sleeves the sleeves and the boots everything <laughs> i love it so much but uh yeah so she is supposed to marry the prince but she's not in love with him uh unbeknownst to her that there's basically a plot to kidnap her um which will be revealed further on as we go but then it's the arrival of basically the comedy of the movie yes you know and so we've got got now our three kind of like um, thieves slash villains or whatever, mm-hmm. at least initially. Um, we have uh, uh, Vizzini. 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 Okay. So we've got Vizzini. Played by Wallace Shawn. Who's amazing. Uh, Fezzik, of course. Andre the, Andre the Giant. Yes. And then Inigo Montoya. Of Mandy course, Pitingen. Mandy Pitingen. Oh. So three classic amazing characters. Mm-hmm. Who couldn't be more different one, yeah. one to another? And then, we, so we meet them. They kidnap her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Can I interject some fun facts? Like, yes, is this go a good for time it. for that? Uh-huh. Okay. So, when they originally were trying to make this movie uh, in the late 70s, they, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger really wanted to play Fezzik the Giant. And they were like, uh, what? Oh, maybe. I don't know. We really want to try and get Andre the Giant. But at that time, Andre the Giant was so famous. That he, you know, was untouchable or whatever. And then oh, by yeah. the time they got it made in the 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger was untouchable and, like, just couldn't be got. He was a huge star. And Andre the Giant was kind of, like, at the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. Um, Physically, a lot of the stuff that he was doing was really taking a toll. Like, I, mm-hmm. he is a massive dude. Yes. You know? And he was, like, was ill. And there's, um, Carrie always has written a book. It's really good. It's called As You Wish. And I, I uh, have read it and I went to a reading of it where he did like a Q&A and stuff. Okay. And it's all stories of the making of The Princess Bride. And so many of them are about Andre the Giant and how he would just drink like eight bottles of wine. Oh, and yeah. Like- and it was all self-medication because he was always in so much pain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting choice for this role. Mm-hmm. It's like he's a Frenchman who doesn't speak best English and it's hard to understand what he's saying but yet he still conveys so much warmth yes you love him even though like for years I didn't know what half of his dialogue was oh yeah and I uh, Rob Reiner actually recorded the dialogue and uh, Andre the Giant would just listen to it and that's how he learned it Mm -hmm. Um, and so but some of it is still just like you can't oh yeah yeah Eh. The accent. But it's worth it because yes. he's just so lovable. And and immediately, so we meet these three villains, but there's a line drawn to where when they find out that they're supposed to kill her, mm-hmm. that Andre and Mandy, or Fezzik and Inigo, Inigo um, aren't really comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Vizzini is like, 
no, this is what we're doing. It's like, I've got no problem with this, mm-hmm. you know? So it's the line is kind of drawn between like the sympathetic villains and like the kind of the real straight up villain, even though he's kind of a, a, a weenie. You know, he is. He's like a little bully who can't like who can't do anything himself. So he's just going to bully these other two. Yeah. And the other two are are actually like deeply skilled and great at what they do. They but they've got a conscience and they've got low self-esteem, though. Like Fezzik is just pulling them up, you know, and Wesley is, uh, you know, the dread pirate Roberts is hot on their heels. And um, we totally skipped the eels, but I guess we're going to have, we we're can't do every eel. minute. We get, we're getting to the eels. Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm carrying three people and he's just one guy by himself. And Lucini's like, I, I, I can't accept excuses. I'm just mm-hmm. going to have to find another giant. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's staring right at him as yeah. he's lifting them over the cliffs of insanity. They're like 300 feet up. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to find another giant. So th- this kind of starts off, especially as like a young lad. And this is also where Fred Savage gets hooked in. Like, mm-hmm. now we begin, like, a sequence. It's, like, the strongest, one of the strongest sequences in the movie where basically we've got the shrieking eels, the cliffs mm-hmm. of insanity, um, you know, the sword fight, the wrestling, the, the Iocane powder matches of wits, and, like, the fire swamp. And those it's, are the best parts. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, all these great, like, six or seven, like, tent pole mm-hmm. scenes right after another mm-hmm. that as a kid that's that's the section you watched i watched the most is that yeah. section there yes and it, like even with all the like when you start with the shrieking eels and they pause and come back to fred savage and then when they go back to Vizzini, you hear peter falk's voice those mm-hmm. are the shrieking oh, yeah, eels. That's great. Right, but you read that part i love that little fourth wall break uh, even though it's not really that, is yeah. it? And then he's when it's people are talking with his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sword fight is just so beautifully yeah, it's done. The sword, the sword fight, which I think has been called was the the chatty duelists. <laughs> um, it's like one of the best sword fights in movie history. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's the whole thing is choreographed by Bob Anderson, who who um, uh, actually did, like, sword fighting with uh, Errol Flynn. Um, and he was the, the sword choreographer in, like, the Lord of the Rings movies. And so he's, he's like, the top dog. Um, but just, like, that is the way to do an action sequence. As a mm-hmm. filmmaker, this sword fight is the way to do an action sequence because, you know, you've got these beats. It's not just endless fighting. You have these beats and developments as they're going along, you know, they're fighting, you know, they establish this, these, their characters early on, like Inigo, he, he, he gives you the best exposition. They're like laying around, you don't have gathering have their breath fingers. and he's telling him his whole life story. And I, you get the feeling like he does this to every dude. Mm-hmm. He's just, oh, he's just a chatty Kathy about this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. always talking about his personal business. Well, I got to kill you. Sorry about this. Because he's on a quest to find the six-fingered man. So, like, he figures the best way to do it is just network, you know. Yeah. Like- <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And it comes off like that. Like, this is just what he does. Like, he's just chatting him up. Yeah. But, yeah, th- these different beats and um, these, you know, it's like, the reveals that he's not left-handed, the reveal that he's not left-handed. I'm and not then left-handed either. There, there's all these different beats and developments that allow us to kind of uh, catch our breath, change the action, have a development, watch more, it gets accelerated, and then there's a surprise. Like, that's this is the way to do action, an action scene. 
And I, I also think like I use I use all of those scenes as examples when I teach improv, mm-hmm. uh, because if you if you see a lot of improv, sometimes two people will just stand on stage and look at each other and have a conversation and it's like the, their words are all that they're using we call those talking head scenes and they're a real bummer so mm-hmm. I like to use uh, this whole sequence in the Princess Bride as like a key example of how you can be still putting that wonderful beautiful information out there and telling us what we need to know about your story your plot and developing your character and all of this stuff everything we learn in the fire swamp is is so brilliant uh, but they're not just standing still and talking to each other they're sword fighting or they're wrestling like the, when Fezzik and and uh dread pirate roberts are wrestling they're still like oh I, well here's why i think i'm having trouble he's like swatting at him and smashing him into rocks and they're still i'm not used to fighting one-on-one yeah and then in the fire swamp, like, they're hopping around and jumping out of the way of the flame spurts, and he's explaining all this to her. So I use it as a teaching tool of, like, well, here's how you move through space and do something interesting while you're still delivering all this import- all the important words. Mm-hmm. Um, also during the sword fight is one of my favorite lines in the movie, and it's just, like, almost like a small throwaway line that you could just drive right over. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, like, when he's trying to explain, it's, like, Inigo is like asking, you know, Dread Pirate Roberts, who's actually Wesley. It's like he's like, "How did you learn how to do this?" And he's not going to tell him. And he and he says, "Get used to disappointment." And he just says, "Okay, okay, <laughs> get used to disappointment." Okay. Uh, uh, one of my favorite lines is in that part too, where where Humperdinck is catching up to them, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like explaining how the duel went and he says if she's she's alive or was an hour ago if she's not uh if she's dead when i find her i shall be very put out (laughs) it's it's, it's Uh so funny and he delivers it so seriously yeah and And that's so funny that's a great moment also because it reveals that he's not just like a fancy you know shirt and a haircut you Mm -hmm. know like he's he's got a a an ability he's like this expert tracker and hunter that there's some degree of like cunningness to him, you yes. know. Um, but yeah, it, and then those other great moments where so he's fighting Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know it's like uh, uh, Vizini is like, you know, kill him your way. What is my way? Just wait till he kind of comes around the side and bashes his head with a rock. It's like, oh, my way is not very sportsmanlike. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, it just makes us sympathize with that character and like him, mm-hmm. even though his task is to, to kill the mystery man who's mm-hmm. our hero, you know. Um, he just looks so damn good in a mask and a little hat. like And a tiny mustache. You have to be very special. It's the bottom face acting, which we mm-hmm. got so much of in the 80s. There was so much acting with just your bottom, bottom face. Bottom face, yeah. You got RoboCop, you got Wesley, you got uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Like, what do we have against people's noses and eyes? <laughs> uh, so... I don't know if we have skipped ahead to this part, but uh, at the moment where they're sitting on top before they get to the fire swamp uh-huh. uh, and they're sitting on top of the hill before they tumble down as you wish, they tumble away. Um, Carrie always broke his foot Oof. because he was riding uh, Andre the Giant's ATV <laughs> and like crushed his foot as they're there filming that scene. And they're all like, oh my God, Carrie, what did you do? And he's like, 
I'm fine. So he did that whole scene with a broken foot. And uh, if you watch, if you know, and then you watch, you can see that like he sits down in this really weird way, Mm -hmm. which maybe just seems like a suave pirate man sitting down. But it's it's because he can't put any weight on his foot because it's broken. Oh, man. Fun fact. There's another. So there's a when they're when they're going up the cliffs of insanity. Um, you know, Andre is pulling up three people. Uh, you know, that giant rope up the thing. You know for sure in that long shot, it's just a normal sized dude carrying t- three like tiny mannequins, <laughs> <laughs> dolls up, <laughs> going up there. <laughs> three another, tiny mannequins. Yeah, it's. I mean, this was not. I mean, it's such a fantastic. We see so many fantastic scenes and locations and things like that. But Yeah, the locations are great. Yeah. And but, the mood is terrific. And the costumes are, are brilliant. But it wasn't like a hugely budgeted movie, you know? Like, there's some things you can kind of see the, the edges in. Like, mm-hmm. when you see, like, the, the, the long shots of, of, like, the ships sailing. It's like, yeah. those are really miniature. Yeah. Those are very tiny ships. Well, and, and no one at that time was... Star, like probably the biggest star in the movie is Billy Crystal, <laughs> who's completely covered up in makeup. Yeah, um, but and they leaned heavily on in the the trailer. Yes, yes, and you know, but like these weren't huge stars. Like, oh yeah, Robin Wright was unknown, and Carrie Elwes had only been in like one other movie, and I think Fred Savage might have even big <laughs> a bigger a star than uh-huh. everyone else at that point. So, um. But as soon as we get out of the fire swamp, that's when we meet Christopher Guest. Oh, he's so good. The so six-fingered well, man. The carryover from uh, This Is Spinal Tap. Yes. He was playing an evil, like in my heart and mind, Christopher Guest is is the evil Count Rogan. And that's who he was to me until I started like seeing him in comedies and just being like, oh. He's... That was the that was the different. The acting. This is yeah. <laughs> oh, we so we skipped also oh, the um, the rodents of unusual size. Uh, Russ's I don't think they exist. Yeah, and I for the longest time I thought it's like oh the rodents of unusual size, and then she knows like the proper name for it the the Russ's, mm-hmm. but that's an acronym. She's pronouncing the acronym of rodents of unusual sizes. The R O U S S. Yes, correct. <laughs> Um, and it was an actual little person in that. Oh yeah, which suit. you could 100 percent see. And he it's... was like shit faced <laughs> the whole time. They're just like, "How can you drink that much?" And he's like, "I'm fine." And they, like, I think he dislocated his shoulder or something weird. Right. Well, that's yeah. why they threw him on the fire. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at this point now, like Fred Savage's character is like now that it's like again, he's like 100 percent in at this point. Like, yep. He is totally in. Um, so they, they finally get out of the fire swamps, you know, so it's been revealed that it's actually Wesley when she like threw him down Mm -hmm. before they get into the fire swamp. So they have, they have all the time in the fire swamp, but he tells the story of how he, the dread pirate Roberts is just a name that's passed down from person to person. I think, yeah. Yeah. So they do that, that great stunt where the, they gets thrown down that steep, Mm -hmm. steep hill. I almost like the idea that, that is a dude who just specializes in those kind of falls. Like, he and his wife, they just do those kinds of falls because it looked like a totally different person than any other stuntmen. But, uh, yeah, so... (laughs) So, uh, she's recaptured, and she basically gives up because she sees, like, 
on the outer perimeter all these crossbowmen ready well, to shoot like, them down. They set up the fire swamp as being this like impossible barrier and then like right. they just went around. <laughs> you could just go around. Did they have horses? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, they enca- are encountered like, Nobody's by... perfect. So yeah, they, they get through the fire swamp. They're captured. She gives him up uh, because she sees that they're all going to get shot to death. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you promised not to hurt him. And everyone's like, what was that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so then um, Wesley knows exactly what's going to happen yep. to him. It's like, uh, we are men of action. Lies do not become us. <laughs> Which is great. Um, and, and so um, he's actually put in the pit of despair. The pit of despair. Which is awesome. <laughs> um, so this is, again, some another great set piece. The whole idea that there's this mechanism, there's this machine. So we realize that um, the six-fingered man, who we have already heard about mm-hmm. uh, from the Spaniard, um, he uh, is kind of a scientist. Yeah, he, he dabbles. He dabbles. He dabbles. Yeah, and so the the another great gag, especially like for kids or whatever, it's like, the the albino mm-hmm. you're in the p- <clears throat> you're in the pit of despair yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's curing him so that he can uh be healed before he's broken yeah yeah again for scientific purposes of course yeah so so he's got this machine that drains you of life mm-hmm. um and he's recording all this information and it is for posterity remember so this is for posterity be honest <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Which is another great kind of twist. And, and it's, again, very contemporary and kind of meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these characters, even though the setting is, is you know, uh, fairy, I w- I'm not going to say fantasy. It's fairy tale. Yeah. It's very fairy tale. But the characters are very contemporary and modern. They're real. Yeah. They're they're three-dimensional. Like, you get that part with the Humperdinck and Rugen outside the... the um, pit of despair and he's like do you want to you want to come in you want to see what i'm doing in there and he's like you know i love to watch you work but i'm just swamped it's like, well you gotta take care of yourself you need to rest and it's like if you don't have your health you don't have anything yeah so just like, two bros it's, they're three-dimensional you know? yeah it's not even like barren and prince it's like tyrone i'd love to but <laughs> yeah and, and you can picture them just like having an ale at the end of the day how was your mm-hmm. day oh boy you would not believe uh, so they have those moments of being real, of stepping outside of their mm-hmm. bravado. And, it's a, it's a comic surprise, yeah. Exactly. And, and again, it humanizes them. You don't mm-hmm. need to necessarily always humanize everyone, but they do, and you know, and and it's and it makes them much more richer experience. Yes. Um, and it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is the hilarity. Um, so the the wedding is going off, so uh, as planned, he promises to send his fastest ships his four fastest ships to um because she's like no i can't she has like this a, a, a dream sequence and we think that she's going to marry humperdink now fred savage is like wtf no she can't marry him what's going on yeah he's it's very like just, upset he's just like cool your jets at this point Boo. You know? Boo. the queen of putrescence Boo. i love that part so much <laughs> her dress is so beautiful <laughs> Um, so he promises to do this and she pronounces her, her love for him. 
Um, they they initiate the brute squad to clean out the the thieves' forest. Which like that part always confused me because Humperdinck has pretty much laid out at this point that he he hired Vizzini to kidnap Buttercup. Right to cut to to create a national fervor, even though mm-hmm. he's the prince and can kind of order everyone, but he wants the the moral support of. Yes, he wants to go to war with Gilder, the city across the sea. Right and. Then he's like, oh, I thought that was a great plan, but this plan's even better. She's going to be murdered on our wedding night. Won't that be tragic? Like, and then <laughs> and he's but super then jazzed about it. He tells his captain in command, empty, form a brute squad and empty the thieves' forest uh-huh. because my bride cannot be murdered. But he's going to murder her. Like, right. I, is that just like forensic well, countermeasures? What is the? No, I, yeah, I feel like it's it's like he's planting this the he's planting the seed that her life is in threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, the chief enforcer, they've got this great comedic bit when he run he comes into his office, and the chief enforcer leans his hands on his arm his royal armrest. Mm-hmm. There's a slight look. Takes his hands off, and then he, and then the prince puts his hands on. It's just like great comedic business there. Yes. Um, the, uh, the chief enforcer is not privy to mm-hmm. the the murder plot, and so he wants everyone to know that we got to be on guard he, that in case the princess is uh, going to be murdered. So basically, wide sweeping security, you know, mm-hmm. a, event, and then also like double the amount of people at the front we've got to do we've got to show we've done everything to prevent this and then in, in his mind then she's killed and everyone freaks out and, and maybe so just he's laying that yeah on the guard? no no i think it's just laying the track so that everyone's on the same story so if she's killed then cuz he's already planting the seed that it's killed she's her. in danger it, it, rather than her just like spontane- spontaneously dying and saying oh it was our enemy I had just always had a problem with that because, like, if, I, I think any logical person would be like, okay, but you had all the security out the front and you emptied the thieves' forests and then the killer would have had to be someone who was already in the castle, so it's probably one of you. <laughs> Maybe people in those days did not uh, read as much true crime. Well, if he never left to, pers- to, to pursue his fortune yes. <laughs> for marriage. You're also true. So, in the, yeah. So, yes, so empty the thieves' forest. Yeah, and then she, and then there's no sign of him from Princess Buttercup. Uh, mm-hmm. She decides that she will not marry; that she she's totally still into Wesley. Um, uh, she finds out that he did not send his four fastest ships, and, and she so, doesn't care because Wesley will come for her yeah. anyway. Uh, and then he's he's pissed off, cause, and she insults him to his face. Um, and so he goes to the uh, the pit of despair, mm-hmm. cranks up the device because it was just he it was he cranked it cranked it all the way up to fifty years. Yeah, even Christopher Guest is like no, no. To fifty, yeah, yeah, and then basically kills Wesley. Yep, or at least mostly dead. He's dead. Um, and then uh, uh, Fezzik and Inigo they've got their own kind of meet bro time. They mm-hmm. meet up again. They uh, they both rally each other's morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide to look for Wesley to help him uh, in- initiate his revenge. And they know at this point that the six-fingered man is Count Rugen. How do they know? Fezzik knows somehow. Fezzik tells him the story of everything that happened 
afterwards because I guess what happened was that like Indigo once was he in woke a newsletter. up, he, like yeah. he slunked off to get to get his drink on or uh-huh. whatever because he failed. Uh, Vizini told him to go back to the beginning. So and then Fezzik's like, no, I've I've been listening. He's on the brute squad. He's fig- he's got it all figured out. Like. So he tells him about Count Rugen. So now, yeah, oh yeah. At this point, we've got the kind of narrative cheat. It's actually Peter Falk kind of summing things Mm -hmm. up. And then they did this and skipping over a lot of that stuff. And so, um, so his whole plan is to storm the castle for revenge. But what Wesley actually needs to do is storm the castle to um, to get his true love. But. We've got to talk about Miracle Max. I know, I know. So we're getting there. (laughs) Um, So, but, so, but Wesley's dead. And so they're, um, Inigo. um, And Fred Savage is like, he can't be dead. You read that wrong. Right. But Inigo, he's, so he's looking for guidance Mm -hmm. from his father, you know, putting his sword up to the lens flare. Mm-hmm. And then said, please guide my sword. And it just goes into a tree. But it's the notch that opens the pit of despair. And, and they rescue them. Um, uh, and so they, they procure Wesley. And he's, he, they, he's dead. Um, but they go to Miracle Max to revive him. To mm-hmm. resurrect him. And this is where we meet Billy Crystal. And Carol Kane. And Carol Kane. Um, and Which I, I think that sequence is probably the most famous sequence from the movie mm-hmm. maybe like people i've most quote most quoted most remembered i'm not a witch i'm your wife like that whole mm-hmm. shenanigans have fun storm in the, the castle. castle like that's i think the part most people remember yeah it's the most showy mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's not one that it's i wouldn't put it in my top five <laughs> scenes or moments personally but, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. it, basically, Billy Crystal is just chewing the scenery. Yep. And they like, basically, you know, the story goes that Rob Reiner couldn't be on set because it was just <laughs> too hilarious. He right. could not, you know, be laughing. And and uh, Mandy Patinkin said that the only time he got injured on set was when he, like, cracked his rib from trying so hard not to laugh at <laughs> Billy Crystal. Sounds like good and, sort of, like, press release blurbs. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, give Carol Kane some credit, too. Like, she's the funny one. Hoppening, hoppening, hoppading. Like, she's so she's so memorable in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I love her so much. But this is where we kind of return to the theme of true love. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the, this is one of the points where we're really kind of, like, driving home to the whole idea that the theme is about true love. Two people who have found true love, who have been separated, must be together again and finally reunited for true love yes um but yeah so so they he does resurrect they resurrect wesley mm-hmm. and now he's uh he's super floppy he's he's mostly he's been mostly dead all day yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that, that scene which, where is, which on is, the is a great device so because great. he's kind of like the jedi knight like yeah. he's great at everything he can beat everyone so what's the challenge you know, it's like we got to give Luke Skywalker some problem because yeah. otherwise he's just going to like kill everyone and yep. then the story's over. We'll just pop in, grab Buttercup, kill Rugen, pop out. Right. <laughs> so he can't like move his arms and legs and basically Fezzik has to carry him. Yeah, like a rag doll. Yeah. 
But I, I love the part where they're sitting on the wall planning. And he's mm-hmm. like, who are you? I'll fight you both apart. I'll beat you both together. I, they're f- like, I feel like this is where we see like real Wesley. Yes. Like when he doesn't have a girl to impress. Mm-hmm. He's not putting on a persona for like a sword fight. Like he's kind of a bit of a dick manager. Like, you know, it's like, what are our assets? What are our liabilities? Who are you? I don't even know you. If only we had a wheelbarrow. That would be, oh, we do have a wheelbarrow. Why, why, didn't, why didn't you, you list, say something? Why did you list that in our, in our list of assets? And then he's like, yeah, he's a little head wiggle supposed to make me happy? Hmm? <laughs> it's kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but a charming, super intelligent dick who's been mostly dead all day. Tell me you're not cranky when someone wakes you up from a nap. Fair point. Yeah. I'm, I'm cranky with a whole lot less. <laughs> but I just love that he's like already worked through the whole plan. And he's like, oh, well, I can see a plan working if we had this and this. And they're like, oh, we can get that. Yeah. And he's like, great. Here's what we're going to do then. Yeah. So they, they light um, Fezzik on fire. Mm-hmm. He pretends to be the giant dread pirate rubbers. That part is one of the hardest parts to understand. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you can't read his lips because they're Mm -hmm. covered in fire. The dread pirate wobbles. It's here for your soul. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) And then it's intercut with one of the most classic scenes is like... Mowage. (laughs) So you've got... You're like intercutting the most unintelligible people. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not able to understand what anyone's saying for, like, a good two and a half minutes. And, like, Buttercup goes from being, like, in the marriage scene. She's so confident. Like, the whole day, she's so confident. I do not marry today. Why is there fear behind your eyes? And it's like, then all of a sudden, they just skip to the end. And she's like, oh. Damn. (laughs) And she's going to kill herself. Yeah. So she, she is now, both of them... Both Wesley and Buttercup are pushed to their furthest point at this at this mm-hmm. moment in the story. So he's unable to be the dashing hero. You know, he's just a rag doll, and she is basically resigned to to Juliet herself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's gonna go full Juliet. She's gonna, she's gonna blow herself away. Yes, <laughs> with a knife. With a knife. Uh, and it, so then, once we get into the castle, we're switching back and forth between Buttercup and Inigo. Oh, yeah. So this is where it gets... Yeah. And so now, like, during the moment, this is, like, our big climax. It gets, like, super serious. It gets, like, very dramatic. Mm -hmm. You know, like, anything can happen. But with that perfect moment of comedy. Right. Where the drama (laughs) is at... He finally meets him. They're in that hallway. Uh Uh-huh. He draws his sword. He finally... We've heard it several times before, and he Mm -hmm. finally gets to say the famous line. Hello. My name is Inigo Mentoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And Pause. Then Christopher Guest runs, runs the away. fuck away. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is 100% understandable because he just like cut down 10 dudes. Yep. Oh, and then it's a chase scene. And I, I, like, I think Manny Patinkin is so brilliant because he goes from that, that high drama of like, this is the moment. It's all been like, what, what the? What the mm-hmm. fuck? The guy just ran away. And then... Fezzik! He's getting away from me! Um, oh, yeah. But it it just, like, as soon as... So, as soon as, like, Christopher Guest falls on, like, throws a knife into his belly, it's like, mm-hmm. dude, like, he's done. And it gets super serious, you know? And then he gets stabbed in both arms. Yeah, which is great because it's, it's again, like, you know, he's coming back to life. He's kind of... You know, even the music is dun, 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 as mm-hmm. he's like building back up. 
getting that heroic energy back up, you know, like, yeah, he parries each of those shots, getting stabbed in each arm. Mm -hmm. And he's just, he's just fighting through his mortal wounds, which appear to be. And then, and we finally get like our giant, like triumph. Yep. It's stop saying that. And he's just over and over and over. It's so good. Yeah. And that's kind of like our, our adventure climax of the Mm -hmm. movie, you know? Um, is avenging his father. And, yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's so well written. Um, and then also going on is Wesley, who can't move, and then Prince Humperdinck comes in. Well, Wesley sort of wanders away, though, because like, right. Fezzik puts him, puts his arms Drapes him. into the arms of his suit of armor and just leaves him there. Hangs him to on a towel rack. And then he comes back and he's gone, and, and Fezzik's just like, Okay, like this is the same thing as when he woke up, I'm sure, from mm-hmm. and found out Vizzini was dead and all this. It was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to wander around then and see what happens. And then, he doesn't have a lot of natural predators, so he's very right. kind of lax. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very chill about things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we cut to the, the great line as Buttercup is raising this beautiful, like, gilded, very elaborate, fancy dagger that you keep in a special suicide box, I guess, that they issue to princesses whose husbands are dicks. Uh-huh. Uh, she's like, just raises it to her chest, and Wesley says from the bed, there's a shortage of perfect breasts in the world. It would be a pity to damage yours. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but they do talk about it in the book. It's one of the running gag of, like, here's how many perfect breasts there are, and here's where Buttercup ranks on that list. <laughs> Uh, and that that's such a good part. And the confrontation between he and Humperdinck is so satisfying. To the pain! Yeah, and it's again, it's kind of going dark a bit, mm-hmm. you know? It's using mind games because Wesley can't do anything, mm-hmm. you know? Do you want to take it from here? Me? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're going to fight and whatever, and basically he just psychs him out saying, like, he's going to... You know, to the pain, which means that they're going to just slowly cut him apart piece by piece, except for his ears. His perfect hearing. Which he will, so that every person who weeps at the sight of him will echo in his perfect ears. And then he's like, you know, I, I've lacked the strength to stand, but maybe, maybe, maybe I have it after yeah, all. Yeah, so, so it's all mind games and bluffs mm-hmm. and... and- <laughs> Drops the sword, picks up his little half cape, takes a seat down. Perfect. (laughs) And then he kind of flops back down again because he can't actually. He used all of his strength just to stand up. And Humperdinck's like, Humperdinck, who is um, Chris Sarandon. He's the voice of Jack Skellington, which is meaningful to me. Anyway, (laughs) uh, he's a he's. So funny because he's like, I knew he was bluffing. I knew he was, bu- I knew he was bluffing. <laughs> Which is so like, good. Yeah. And then they leave him alive because, you know, whatever happens to them, they want him to live a long life with his cowardice. And then up, they just jump out the window and flutter away. And they, uh, Inigo's going to become the Dread Pirate Roberts. Fezzik, we assume, is just going to hang out. Yeah. And... <laughs> Wesley and Buttercup have that, like, perfect... All their kisses are in front of beautiful sunsets. And that's that's what all love is supposed to be like. How can you even try and kiss someone if oh, you're not man. in front of a sunset? Why bother? Uh, but, of course, we cut back to... Fred Savage. Fred Savage and Peter Falk. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to read this to you. It's a, it's a kiss. We don't... Uh, no, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You can... No, no, just Just finish it for completion reasons. Yeah. And so then, yeah, uh, he's come full circle. Yep. And he's uh 
Found his manhood. The power of <laughs> books, everybody. Uh, and then, yeah, Peter, he come, he asks Grandpa to come back and read it to him again tomorrow. Which, yeah. by the way, he must be a really fast reader. <laughs> it's a short book. It's a short book. Um, and, and then, the, you know, that's not really like... It's it's not a big emotional ending. It's kind of a nice, quiet, simple ending. Mm-hmm. And so they to kind of give us that that feeling of of like camaraderie and and, and you know the, let the music they kind of cut back to each of these characters again in the Bec- credits. Yeah, because really, I love that. yeah, because really, like the people that we've become attached with is not Fred Savage and Peter Falk. It's you know the characters in the story and so mm-hmm. they they i almost feel like it's one of those things that they it's like did, a curtain like call. they did an end yeah yeah that they did an editing like that they it's like oh we need to see these guys again we mm-hmm. need a curtain call we need like the music to stir us back up and so they cut to all of them as yeah. we see their credit names yeah and they get that and it's good like that's the one of the best parts about a play is that you really get to let the people you you know oh here comes Fezzik uh-huh. oh <laughs> like it's so fun and it really doesn't work on movies that aren't very good but do that anyway yeah <laughs> mm, not so great it's an 80s thing yes and I and I like that I even wrote it down like the credits it's so good I love that they show you everybody again in a moment of them like you can't hear them talking but you see them talking and it's so mm-hmm. good mm-hmm um so do we do you i obviously give this a 10 yeah 10 uh, yeah I'm, I'm giving this a 10 too okay, it's good. it's it's a it's it's everything that you hope a movie is mm-hmm. it is and it's entirely watchable like and i think i can't remember who said it for the thing but it's like if it comes on you're sitting down you're watching it it's so watchable. You don't get sick of it. I watched it the other day preparing for this. I'm seeing it on Saturday at Alamo mm. Draft House. Yeah. Like, you can't get enough. Yeah. I, I, there's, you know, no movie is perfect, but this, The Princess Bride, like the two movies I've, we, we picked, Pat on our own back, is, Pat, Pat. <laughs> is, I feel like they're, at least to our definition, perfect movies. Yes. You know, like... Uh, you know, even though we've we've pointed out a number of flaws, again, no movie is perfect. Like, but they're to what what a movie is mm-hmm. is something that is made by people. Like, this is a perfect movie experience. It is. I love it. Um, do you have a deep cut recommendation? Yeah, so I do. So my deep cut recommendation is so at the time of recording this podcast, it is not yet out, but should be out when this podcast is out. So if you want to know, so uh, there's a screenwriting podcast called Script Notes. It's probably the best screenwriting podcast out there. John August, Craig Mazin, two working professionals have made movies, written movies you've seen. Um, And so they're like high-end script writers. It's not like the amateur script writing hour. Mm -hmm. Um, Great podcast just for script writing. So they occasionally do like these deep dive episodes where they just talk about one movie and their next one is the princess bride so it should be out by the time this podcast's out if it's not just wait a week or two but yeah Uh, and then they have a limited release i think they only have their most recent 25 out um but yeah the princess bride is their next one oh i'm gonna listen to that yeah for sure yes uh, I'm going to recommend, although I do want to, I do want to make another link. I, I used Psych in the last in the episode uh, about Grubanzai, uh because my kids have been watching it, and like 
Carrie Elways plays a character on Psych called <laughs> Pierre Despereau, who is this like charming, roguish uh, uh, cat burglar art thief, and he's just so charming in it. Uh, <laughs> and Chris Sarandon is in it, and uh, every everyone you love from Princess Bride also has like bit parts in oh, really? Psych. Um, but what I really want to recommend is Once Upon a Deadpool. <laughs> Really? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I, I saw the original, but uh, so Once Upon a Deadpool is the PG thirteen <laughs> oh, re-release uh-huh. of Deadpool uh-huh. two, which is framed like Princess Bride. So we start with Fred Savage, an adult <laughs> Fred Savage, <laughs> right, forty year old Fred Savage, yep. in the set from the Princess Bride. So good. Deadpool has kidnapped him and is reading him the story of Deadpool two, <laughs> and we do cut back to them. Several times during during oh, that's the movie, so good. and it's it's fairly brilliant. That's great. Yeah, it's. I would say it's not as PG thirteen as you hope it will be <laughs> when you show it to your eight year old, <laughs> but it's close enough. Okay, good to know. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about because this will be coming out soon? Do you want to talk about the new Voyage Trekkers episode? Oh yeah, so um, we so we did a half hour Voyage Trekkers episode. It's basically a a TV pilot, you know, yes. um, we, we made, we, we did an Indiegogo campaign for a feature. We didn't have enough money for a feature. <laughs> so we did a half hour episode. Um, and it's all structured like an actual TV show. So if you're a fan of the web series or, or even if you don't know about it, this is a, a great, if, if you don't know anything about it and you only want to watch one thing, this is the thing. So it's coming out. So it should be out now. It's mm-hmm. just on our, on, on voyage trekkers, our YouTube channel. But it's the, it's our our half hour episode, and uh, yeah, we're excited about releasing that on Friday, which will have already passed several weeks ago. So it's out now. Go watch it right now. What are you doing? Still listening to us? Go watch it. It's got now directed by Nathan and written by Nathan and Craig, right? Yes. Okay. Close enough. I can re-say that if it's <laughs> right. not. Um, well, story by both of us. Yes, uh, and he's. Uh, and everyone who's been on this podcast ever is in it, just about. <laughs> like, Adam uh-huh. Rini is Sunstrike, and uh, Ryan Goman is uh, yep. he, he's, uh, the bad guy, right? <laughs> is he? That's a, that's a, that's a spoiler. That's a oh, spoiler. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't know what he looks like. Right. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, I'm going to listen for the voice. <laughs> Um, uh, but uh, Yeah, James and, and Logan, who brothers and mm-hmm. podcasts. Yes. So... Go watch it. Do it right now. Voyage Trekkers, YouTube. Go to squishystudios.com. Like, rate, and review all of our stuff. NCT Phoenix. Come see me in an improv show. Uh, we'll have a lot of fun. All right. So our next episode. So this is continuing the one-year anniversary. This is one-year anniversary special. So yes. we're, we'll be covering uh, my favorite 80s movie, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. ba 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 all right. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember the most to keep the most excellent 80s movie podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other. And as you will.